beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. We are officially in the home stretch of 2021, a long and bizarre year that followed 2020, another long and historically memorable and notable year. And in some ways, I can't believe we're at the end of 2021 when I'm still processing 2020. Have you seen that meme that's going around that says just that? Absolutely, it captures the last two years for me. It has been a blur. It has been complicated. And to think that we are starting the year 2022 is just, it's actually kind of mind-blowing for me. But right now, we are at the end of 2021, and I am about to start and share with you my annual reflection. I know that some people think that New Year's, January 1, the changing of the calendar, it's all arbitrary, and you can certainly start fresh habits, you know, have a fresh perspective on any day. You do not have to wait until January 1 to make changes or to feel new. But I really like this change in the calendar and what it signifies. 
I like the feeling in the air of a fresh start. I like the feeling in the air in the end of December that's sort of a winding down. It feels like a conclusion and a start to me. And so I do use this time of year to really assess my life, my career, my habits, my relationships. And even though it's sort of these thoughts are sort of always percolating in the back of my mind amidst holiday hubbub, because this time of year also means tons of to-do lists and extra activities and extra cooking and extra cleaning and all this kind of thing. I really do like to take the week after Christmas and before New Year's to sit down, like take time almost every day in that week to sit down with a journal, with my paper planner, with some scratch paper that I might end up throwing away, just to jot down a lot of thoughts and plans and dreams, to get some grievances out that I maybe haven't given voice to yet, like just to really check in with myself and my people and my systems and kind of see where we are so that when we do change the calendar on January 1, we haven't just barreled ahead without thought. It's just like a time to be mindful and thoughtful. And so every year I do provide for you and for myself 10 prompts, 10 questions that will help us in this assessment, in this end of the year assessment. And I do most of this exercise alone, (laughs) like I said, with my journal or in the car when I'm driving around or on a walk or something like that. But these questions also can be used for some really great conversations in your family, in your business, maybe not all 10 of them, sort of depending on what those relationships look like, but just the idea behind all of them. So I'm going to share all 10 prompts with you here today. I'm also going to talk through a little bit of my own answers. The very last episode of the year, next week's episode, will be a little bit of a broader, more personal takeaways from the year. Well, I'll talk through some of these things. I'll unpack them a little bit more. But I am just going to show you how I'm thinking about these prompts and questions, how you can, how you can bring them to your own personal time or to conversation. Like I said, some of these prompts and questions might be familiar to you. This is the third year that I have done an episode like this. You can hear these past end of year questions on episode 95 at the end of 2020, episode 45 at the end of 2019. And if you've been around for a while, some of these might seem familiar. There are some overlap in these questions and prompts. There are some ideas that I repeat because they are worthy of being repeated at the end of every single year. However, I've noticed even if the question itself is very similar, Every year I have pretty different answers personally, and I also maybe think about it from a slightly different angle. So that's why I like sharing the 10 prompts and then sharing a little bit about how I'm thinking about them. So let's just start with number one. Let's just start with the first thing that we're going to think about as we're winding down this year. The number one question, the number one prompt is, what was it like in the beginning? Now, this is a question that you can actually ask yourself whether you're ending a year or you're ending a career, you're ending a relationship, whatever kind of ending you might be approaching right now, you might ask yourself this question, what was it like in the beginning? And I want to do this because when we get to the end of anything, it feels 
like we mostly focus on what this last ending stretch has been like or felt like. And there is so much value in going back to think about what it was like in the beginning. It helps you see your growth. It helps you see what has changed. It helps you remember where you were, who you were at the beginning versus where you are now. And starting with that question, sort of remembering what it was like in January 2021 will really prove to be helpful as you answer the rest of these questions, especially if you're not super reflection minded. For some people, this exercise is harder than others. And so I thought if we started here, like, let's just remember what was happening in our lives, what it felt like to start 2021. This will help us process how we're ending 2021. Now, I know a big thought has been we were so hopeful at the beginning of the year. We thought the pandemic was nearing an end. Vaccines were starting to roll out. We felt like we were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. People felt like we had really survived this harrowing 2020 and that this year was going to be different. And then, you know, by midsummer, there was plenty of memes and commentary going around about how not only was 2021 not different in the way that we were maybe expecting, for a lot of people, it proved to be harder or deeper than. 2020. I know that was true for me. In January of 2021, I was prepping to launch my very first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. So I was full of all of the emotions a year ago. I was nervous, excited, busy, super, super busy. And I definitely had no concept of what was going to unfold in the next 11 months, that we were going to move houses, that I was going to have health issues, Jeff was going to have a hip replacement, the fabric of our extended family was really going to continue to change quite a bit. I wouldn't have predicted the majority of things that happened in 2021. And a year ago, at the beginning of 2021, I was not even thinking about anything besides the next few days in front of me. I was really in a space of just like putting my head down and doing the work around my book launch. We thought Jeff was going to have a movie come out in the fall. So our household was just super, super work-focused at the beginning of the year. And while we're actually ending the year also quite work-focused, there's definitely different perspectives to our work and possibly some priority shifting because all of those other things that I mentioned, health and family and things, having so much of that come up throughout the year in ways that we weren't expecting, you know, it sort of forced us, forced me to kind of look up from my nose to the grindstone posture to kind of look up and look around and realize that maybe I need a priority shift. So that is what it was like for me at the beginning of 2021. You know, there's lots of details here that in your own journal, in your own conversations, you can really bring up and just really remember what it felt like to be starting this year and maybe have a lot of compassion for January 2021. You maybe have a little 2020 hindsight, but that is the first question that we're going to start with. What was it like in the beginning? The next question, number two, is really practical and is a must on every list like this for me. 
even though it's like, you know, not a super fun one, but it's a really necessary one. Number two is what worked well and what didn't. This is a chance for you to sit down with yourself, with your family, with your employee or employer to just be honest about what systems are working and what are not. I had a meeting with my team, kind of an end of the year meeting, and one of the things that we determined was working really well was some of our email service provider. We moved at the end of last year when we had this same meeting, ask ourselves these same questions, that what wasn't working at the end of last year was the email service that we used to send out the secret posts, the episode emails for the show, like, you know, all the emails that I sent out to lots of people. At the end of last year, we had to be honest that it wasn't going great. And we moved to a new service provider. It's MailerLite, not going to hide it. It's, (laughs) and that's not an affiliate or anything. I'm just telling you, we moved email systems. And when we met this year, we were like, that is something that we're so glad we did. And it's working really, really well. It's been like one of our business highlights of the year. So that was like a work-related way to answer this question. In my family, one of the things that we had to get real honest about lately was that our dinner situation was not working well. I feel like I've talked about this even here on the show. I've talked about this for a couple of years straight and still haven't gotten it figured out. It has now become a real priority. My kids are preteens and time is of the essence to get this dinner thing under control. I think dinner time really matters in a family sense, like in a ritual family time sense, but also we're juggling activities and working parents and other details that I just don't want to keep doing dinner the way that we've been doing dinner. On the nights that we're able to sit down together, I want it to be a real solid, good meal that we're all happy with. On the nights that we aren't able to sit down together, I also want what we're eating to be quite a bit less haphazard and less takeout, drive through whatever. It's totally fine to have seasons of convenience, which we've now been living in for a while, but it's just not what I want for like our family life. And so that's a system that hasn't worked well. In our new house, I have spaces or rhythms that are working well and some that are not. So for me, after living in this house for seven months now, I guess, I'm really ready to get some of these spaces better organized or, you know, sort of work better for our family. So the number two topic, again, not the most fun question on this list, but just really necessary to be honest with yourself when things are not working. But then also, of course, high five, toast, plan to continue on in the areas that are working well, sort of acknowledging and saying out loud, or writing in your journal something that you're proud of how it's going. You like how the system works. That kind of affirmation is just as helpful as identifying the things that need work. It's really nice to acknowledge that you're super nailing it. So that was number two, what worked well and what didn't. This episode is sponsored by Olive and June. I love having polish on my nails. It just makes me feel put together and pretty, but that's easier said than done sometimes, right? Like driving to the salon, especially in LA traffic, it makes it a whole thing sometimes just to get a manicure. So say goodbye to another errand to run and say hello to Olive and June. 
Olive & June is our answer to salon-quality nails at home. Their Manny system has been perfected to give you a flawless manicure in just five steps without having to leave the house. Their polish lasts for seven plus days with no chipping, it really does. They also have so many gorgeous colors to choose from. There is truly a polish color for everyone and every style. Now do not be intimidated by the thought of having to paint your own nails. Everything you need is in the Manny Kit. Their patented poppy handle is the ergonomic tool that allows you to paint your non-dominant hand without looking like a five-year-old did it. This is actually my favorite part of the Manny kit is this poppy tool. The kit contains everything you need, has nothing that you don't, no extra clutter or anything. I especially love the polish remover pot and the mini brush also helps you touch up the polish that gets on your skin. Olive and June is the secret to your best at-home mani with no salon price tag and no messy nails. My listeners can get 20% off their first mani system by going to oliveandjune.com and entering promo code U at checkout. That's olive, O-L-I-V-E, and A-N-D, June, J-U-N-E, dot com and enter promo code U, Y-O-U, at checkout for 20% off your first mani system. Okay, number three on 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of the year. Number three is what were your most important conversations and connections? I've always included this question about conversations, but I added this new element this year on connections and I'll explain why in a second. Let's start with conversations. I've always had this one in my prompts because obviously I value conversation and talk about that a lot on the show. But I also think there is something to making a note of these important conversations that we have, not just letting them fade away, you know, making a note of where we were, what was said, what it felt like, what it meant. And I don't use the word best here because best isn't the right connotation. I I'm saying in the prompt very carefully what were the most important conversations because important conversations can be really hard. They can be messy. They can be ugly. They can be an ending. An ending conversation can fall into this most important conversation. But of course, most important conversations can be healing. They can fix a rift. You can end up with a promotion. Maybe you found a new friend a new romantic partner, whatever your most important conversations of the year were, say it out loud or make a note of it. And in this day and age, conversation obviously means a lot of things. It doesn't mean that you sat down and looked at each other eye to eye over steaming mugs of coffee. Conversations can be over text, over Zoom, on the phone, in passing, in the car. You don't have to limit how this conversation went down to make a note of the most important ones. Maybe it was kind of a breakthrough moment with your kid. Maybe it was a hard conversation with your spouse. Maybe it was a Facebook thread that gave you an aha moment or was a teachable moment or something like that. Keep this prompt broad and really think about the interactions that mattered the most to you this year. And this is why I added in the connection part, because sometimes the most important connections that we make with other people 
aren't conversations in the traditional sense. So that's why I sort of added in, you know, this might have been something that went down on social media. This might have just been an in-passing, you know, at a networking event for your work or something, a connection was made that ended up being really important to your career, your perspective, but wasn't necessarily a conversation, if that makes sense. I like making note of these and writing down as many specifics as you can, even if these were conversations or connections that happened way earlier in the year, just writing down why it was one of the most important interactions of 2021. Because I think when we do this, it helps us connect the dots in other ways. So in the future, you can see, you know, maybe that all things led back to this really important conversation you had or this interaction that you had. And you know, we don't always make those connections. And so I think when we're able to note them, jot them down, it trains our brain a little bit to notice when we're having an important conversation or that we didn't just wake up, you know, we didn't just end up where we are by accident. Like there was maybe a series of moments that brought us to this place in our relationships or in our career or in the way our perspectives shift, the way that we change and grow, how we think about things, how we pray, how we vote. Like a lot of times these transformations, they're really happening in small, meaningful moments. And of course, we can't always trace back every single dot to connect, but this is a chance. This prompt is a chance for us to make some of these notes and just really be aware of these interactions that matter. So that was number three. What were the most important conversations and connections? Number four, finally, an extra fun one. (laughs) What was the best entertainment? Now, I do like to make a note of this in my own journal or planner just because it's almost like documenting something that you might forget about in a few years. But honestly, this is the best question to ask around the holiday table, on a road trip, maybe to post on social media if you're comfortable with that, sharing what was some of the best entertainment that you took in this year. Maybe a list of your best books. Mine, of course, is coming in the last days of the year. The best movies or TV shows that you watched, the best podcasts that you listened to, the best music, the best live show, if you were able to go to something like that, the best performances, whatever you're into, whatever your family's into, to make these individual lists for ourselves, but then also kind of make like a family list. I know last year at the end of the year, our family had in quarantine watched all of the Marvel movies in order. And so we went through and just named kind of our favorite movies from that little project and then some other things that we watched over the years. That was fun to do like almost a family list, even though we didn't all 100% agree on everything, but just to sort of agree on these were five things that we all really loved watching together. That's super fun. That's really bonding. Maybe if this is your family culture or just your own interest, maybe you want to list, you know, the best videos you watched on YouTube, the best TikToks you saw. The best entertainment, that's what the question is, what was the best entertainment, can just be such a broad and fun thing to talk about, kind of get insight into other people if you're having this conversation with someone you don't know that well, or even just insight into your own family members. And again, like I said, it is a nice documentation tool also. I love listing my best books of the year every year. Books matter to me the most. I also often make lists about some of the best podcast episodes or 
series or something that I listen to because podcasts are a huge part of my life also. So I am going to release my best books of the year episode in the last few days of the year. But I will also tell you that our family loved watching Ted Lasso. We enjoyed the movie King Richard. Jeff and I together watched and loved Succession, one of my favorite shows of all time, and also Only Murders in the Building, which was a complete surprise. These are just off the top of my head, and most of those are things we watched pretty recently, so I'll have to go back and sort of look at our own viewing and listening habits from the beginning of the year because... I'm sure I'm missing quite a few things. But again, this is sort of just a fun one that also really takes the temperature of your taste, of your mood right now, of your family culture. Asking what was the best entertainment can really be a peek into who someone is at the moment. Okay, number five on 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of the year. Number five is who mattered? Who mattered? both old and new, known and not. I feel like this is probably almost a hard list to commit to paper. What if somebody found it? It feels very intimate to kind of write who mattered if your answer isn't 100% obvious. But I do think it's something to think about. And what do I mean by mattered? Well, obviously, you can take this question, you can take this prompt in a number of different directions. But when I am thinking about who mattered this year, I'm thinking about who I gave my time and energy to. And then I'm also sort of looking to see if that was the right call. That sounds more cold than I mean. I hope you understand what I'm saying when I'm like, did I give more time to my friends when I should have been focused on my family? Did I let myself be all consumed by my family when I really should have poured a bit more into my friendships? This is what I mean by who mattered. Who mattered in an old sense, like people who might have mattered to you for a long time, and in a new sense of like, oh, did I make a new friend, have a new boss, took care of a neighbor? So that's how I'm thinking around who mattered in a relational sense. And there's another way you can think about who mattered to you from a known or not known way. So who mattered in your social media feeds? Who mattered that was influencing you in some way? Like whose voice did you really listen to or connect with? Maybe it was on social media or YouTube or on the television or on some kind of a public platform. Like who mattered that got into your ears, whether you knew them or not. Like it really mattered to you that you learned something from them or that you stumbled upon them and they really changed your perspective. So the who mattered question can be both looking at who your people were, like who you prioritized or who your circle was in real life and if that's who you wanted your circle to be. And then also who mattered in that they affected you in some way. What they were saying or teaching or preaching mattered to you. It can get convoluted a little bit, which is why I sort of separated out like the known and the not known. But it is one big ball of who you cared about in 2021 and why. 
Did you care about them because they were an old friend? Did you care about them because they were a new friend? Did you care about them because they were teaching you something? Did you care about them because you were paid to care about them? Who mattered? And is that who you want to continue mattering? Of course, we can't always 100% choose this. You can't always choose if you care about your boss or not. You can't always choose if you care about a loved one or not. But I think as you're thinking through this one or talking through this one or journaling through this one, you might have some insight into maybe people who didn't matter, who you should have given more energy to, or who you realized you no longer want to give energy to. You also may have an aha moment about who is influencing you on the internet or otherwise, and if you want that to continue to be the case. Maybe you made some of these switches throughout the year. Maybe you had some of these revelations mid-year about who was mattering, who was getting your energy, etc., and you already kind of made that change, but talking about it, thinking about it, being really mindful of the who's in your life all of the various who's that we all have, who it is that matters and why. Now, some of it might not be about affection. Again, like in a workplace, it might be like your coworker mattered because without her doing her job, you couldn't do yours. And so it's not about like personality or funsies. It's really about they mattered. They mattered to your year and you acknowledging this or thinking about it keeps us present in the moment and maybe makes us realize as we're looking around and noticing who matters that we can't overlook people in our life that maybe don't always get a ton of recognition or maybe don't even get a ton of thought from us, but maybe it really mattered that they were there doing their job or caring for someone you loved or teaching you something you didn't know or understand before and how much that matters. It's a real one to think about. It's a big one. This is the type of question that I feel like deserves more than just a passing paragraph or a a quickie answer in a conversation. This is a big one, and this is probably something I will be thinking about on and off for the rest of the year, honestly. That was number five, who mattered? It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, 
com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, and use code U, Y-O-U. Number six, 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of 2021. After we talked about who mattered, which is a big one, we're going to go into another big one. We're in the mode. We might as well just stay in this gear. Number six is what changed and why? So on most of my prompt episodes, I ask some variation of what changed or possibly what needs to change. In my book, I asked the question, there's a whole chapter titled, When Did It Change? Sort of looking back and noticing really pivotal moments in your life when everything changed. This is a variation of that, but looking just in the past year of what changed and why. Now, some of your answers might be just really practical or really like, it is what it is. What changed? We moved houses. And that's obviously an enormous change. You might have changed jobs. You might have changed relationship status. The surface level of this answer will probably or oftentimes be like just an answer. It changed. The deeper thing here is, and why? Now, there are surface level reasons, like very practical reasons why we moved houses. And then there are like deep almost like spiritual reasons that we moved houses. The same can be true for any of these. There can be a surface reason, very practical reason why you changed jobs, but is there a deeper reason at play there of why something changed? Now, if your answer to what changed is less of a concrete answer, maybe what changed is your perspective, your thought process, a friendship, a relationship, like something that is less factual and more emotional or spiritual, it's harder to put words to those type of answers, but it's almost more important to try and explain to yourself or to someone else if you're in conversation what changed and then the deeper question of why. Why did it change? Did it need to change? Was the change out of your control? Someone else made a decision that caused a big change. You wouldn't have chosen that change. Was there something in your behavior that resulted in a change? When we're talking about what changed, whether 
in our individual selves, in our own hearts and spirits and minds and decisions, or outside of ourselves, in our community, in our family, in our nation, in the public worldwide sphere, no matter what level we are answering this question, it is related to our earlier question about our most important connections. It's related to that in the same way as that we want to document change. We want to be able to stay aware of change instead of just, you know, putting our hands in our ears and eyes closed and humming along and trying to ignore that something has really changed. And writing about it or saying it out loud, I think helps us process that change that either already happened or is in the middle of happening or or needs to happen in the future. Keeping our eyes wide open about change serves us in the long run, even when it's hard. Because a lot of change isn't always good. It isn't always welcome. But burying our head in the sand doesn't really make it easier in the long term. And while it can feel like we're just burying ourselves naked and wide open to be a witness to change in our world or in our relationships, it is a worthy thing to try if you're up for it because it's hard. It is so much easier to ignore when something is changing. It is so much easier to be blissfully ignorant to change, to just let things change without observing it. It's the path that most of us take, at least in some areas of our life. And it's not like we can be our most raw, vulnerable selves, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That would be impossible for anyone. But this question, which is tender to me, is probably vulnerable for you. Acknowledging what changed in 2021, both factually and emotionally, it only leads to growth. And are you seeing the pattern here that so many of these questions that I'm talking about, I'm pointing towards growth and our own personal evolution and our own unfolding of our lives, that we're just not ignoring it, that we're not just floating along, but we're actually paying attention, being aware. And one of the hardest things to pay attention to, because it's so painful sometimes, is what is changing. And I say this on so many levels. I, you know, have struggled lately with my kids growing up. That is a change that makes me want to like weep. Well, it's easier to not feel those feelings on the daily as my kids get older and bigger and more mature. And it's hard to be a parent and notice those changes in your little people. I would also most of the time prefer to not notice when something's changing within myself, just emotionally. If I'm feeling differently about something or someone than I used to, I would rather ignore that sometimes. But you don't want to just wake up and be like, oh no, this thing has changed irreparably and I just wasn't paying attention. I've had that happen in my life too many times to count, especially this year, actually, when I had my focus elsewhere, some other things changed in the background and I didn't notice until it was kind of far down the road. If you relate to that, then stopping down at the end of this year and acknowledging what has changed, whether you noticed it at the time, whether you could control it at all, just the acknowledgement of it can be important for your own growth and for the people around you. I feel strongly about this one as much as I feel sensitive about this one. Because one of my main mantras in life is let yourself change. Let yourself 
change. We cling so hard to our roots, our identities, what we know, and the world and the people around us change while we're trying to hold on to shifting sand. And when I released that grip in certain areas of my life, things were easier. So even though this isn't a mantra I've shared in a while, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it for the people around you, but I really want you to hear it for yourself. Let yourself change and have that in the back of your mind as you're answering this question in your journal or in conversation, what changed and also why? Number seven, where did you find happiness and fulfillment? I always try to include on this list a where question, a location question, because I believe so deeply that our space matters, the spaces around us. So this is a question for you to think about your wares, your home, a specific space in your home, your yard, someone else's home, your work, your hometown, your car, a walking path in someone's arms a restaurant, a hotel. There are so many wares that you can make note of this year that that particular where meant something to you. I framed up the question as where did you find happiness and fulfillment? Although, you know, you can fill in your own where. Happiness and fulfillment, broad, broad words. But the most important word in this question is where. I want to literally talk about locations. And I don't expect you to answer like, you know, Paris or something like that. It doesn't have to be like Tahiti. The where can be your living room couch. The where can be the backyard hammock. But where in your life right now are you feeling the most yourself or maybe aware that you've had a really amazing memory this year? It might be aware that you have returned to again and again daily. It might be aware that was a one-time thing. You're never going back there. It was a one-time moment, but it's aware that you will never forget. When I'm answering this question, a bunch of things come to mind. Mainly my wares right now, a lot of my wares are related to my old house and my new house and the spaces within those homes that brought me peace. I also can't deny, as I stare at it right now in this moment, that sitting behind this microphone multiple times a week, this wear has become an important part of my life. Sitting behind this mic, this is a literal wear with this desk and this chair and this equipment, this is a wear for me. I also have a wear answer around my car, which is silly, I know, but I also mentioned this in my book that I had sort of a magical moment around my car. And in Los Angeles, we're in our cars all the time. And so I am frequently behind the wheel when I am trying to meditate, ground myself, notice, but also laugh, have memories, listen to great podcasts, have great conversations. Like my car is actually a little bit of a wear. Asking yourself, where did you find happiness and fulfillment? I'd like you to try and limit it to this year, really focusing on this year. You can also, of course, answer in a bigger picture way, like different places in your life that you have found happiness and fulfillment, really important wares to you if you've never answered a question like this before. But in terms of the year, because I think this is an important part of closing out this actual calendar year, where was somewhere that you 
want to make note of or really acknowledge in 2021 specifically. That is what I'm feeling about the where did you find happiness and fulfillment. Number eight, number eight is my favorite number of all time. And this is a question that I ask every time I've ever made a prompt list ever, I think. Number eight is what did you learn? Now, this answer might have come up when you were thinking about the previous questions, because I think what we're learning, what we have learned is going to come up, you know, and have be a cross reference for a lot of these prompts or a lot of these ways that we are closing out the calendar year in this ritualistic way. But I think there is something to saying out loud or writing down specifically, what did you learn? And using actual words to pinpoint a lesson that came to you in 2021. The hard thing about life lessons is that they're very often not chosen. We could have really done with not learning that lesson. Sure, maybe it serves us in the future and in the bigger picture of our life. We're glad we learned that lesson. But most of the time, it feels like learning a lesson in the moment in that year, it sucks. It's hard. We don't want to talk about it. Sometimes we don't even want to acknowledge it as a lesson learned because that feels like you're giving it more credence than you even want to, or it's just not something that you want to focus on because again, there might be some pain associated with it, but there also might be like some shame. Maybe something shameful happened. You made a mistake. You misunderstood a situation. Like a lot of times, hard lessons come from some kind of circumstance that again, you didn't intend or you didn't understand exactly what was happening. So it's easier, I understand, it's easier to talk about lessons learned when we have some distance from them. Most of the time, more than a year's distance. So I get that this question and this answer might be tricky for some of us, or we just don't quite want to commit these words to a journal entry. But let's just try it anyway. What did you learn in your primary relationships, in your job, on social media, in your house? Now, as I say in your house, it makes me think that, of course, not all lessons are like deeply emotional. What did you learn might be like, well, I learned how to, I don't know, change my own tire because I got a flat in the middle of the highway and it sucked. Well, that is a very legitimate and kudos to you lesson to learn. And definitely that's something to be documented. Again, not all these learned lessons are going to be painful. And so maybe start with some of the ones that are more factual. I learned not to drink coffee after 4 p.m. I learned some kind of a life hack. I learned that I really like Zoom book club meetings, and I never would have thought that in a million years. That is my own personal learning, actual. What did you learn can be various amounts of deep or shallow, and you might not want to share that particular lesson if you're having these prompts as a conversation. But it also might be really helpful in a family context, a relationship context, a work context to say out loud, hey, I learned how to do this thing or I learned how to not do this thing. These could end up being really productive conversations that you aren't expecting. And when someone shares back to you what they learned, it might really, truly be eye-opening because you see it differently, or you didn't even know that was something they had learned this year. 
most of my episode next week, my 10 takeaways from 2021 is going to be about lessons I learned. And so I'm not going to give too many personal thoughts on this one here because I don't want to be too repetitive. But suffice it to say, I learned, (laughs) I learned so much. I feel like I learned more this year than I ever wanted to learn. Actually, I learned about the publishing industry. I learned about my own capacity for work. I learned how not to be a friend. I learned how to listen to my body. I learned how to lead an online community, which I had never exactly done a membership community before. I learned how to work better with my team. I learned my own personal boundaries of what to share, not share online. That was a lesson I learned over and over again, but I especially learned it in 2021. I learned, I learned, I learned, I learned this year. Like I said, not all of it was lessons that I wanted to learn, but I have to just trust the process that the things that we learn, our own life lessons, they serve us. They are teaching us something to protect us in the future or to be useful to us in the future. And so even if it's painful, even if it's annoying, even if you think, cool, I could never go through that again, there is always the hope that we learned something now for a reason that hasn't become clear to us yet in the future. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Okay, so number nine almost to the end of 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of 2021. Number nine, the prompt is, what is actually ending? And this goes back to a little bit of what I talked about in the beginning about January 1 for some people is just an arbitrary date. Like it doesn't actually mean anything is officially ending or beginning or does it? You know, for some people, there might be something that's actually ending, if your job actually ended, if your relationship actually ended in this calendar year. But for other people, this question might be a little bit rhetorical. If you don't have something that is literally ending, then thinking about in these final days of the year, what are you leaving behind? What do you want to leave behind in 2021? Is there a habit? Is there an attitude? Are there memories that you want to just put a real like delineation between that was then and my future is now? Asking ourselves, talking through or journaling through what is actually ending 
can really bring an aha moment. Things that you, you know, didn't really think had an actual end date. Maybe this is giving you a chance to really put a period on something, to really be like, okay, I'm going to call this an ending and I'm going to start fresh now. I'm going to start new now. Or it might make you realize that things that have sort of been ending or on the precipice of ending that you want to say, no, this isn't actually an ending or it doesn't have to be. I have made this something it's not. And that might be for you a call for reconciliation. It might be a mindset shift. But instead of living in this limbo of something that's slowly dying or something that needs to be put out of its misery or something that actually needs a revival, this question, what is actually ending? What are you leaving behind? This question will force you to reckon with those things, will force you to see if there is an ending at play here or if there's not. And, you know, maybe actually put some parameters or boundaries around that thing, naming it or reclaiming it. When I worked through this prompt, as I was prepping for this episode, when I worked through this prompt, I was surprised at what kind of came to mind when I sat with this one for five minutes. If you don't know about my five-minute sit-downs, then this is a good time to use them in a exercise, just like this one that we're talking through. If you don't have an immediate answer for any of these prompts, just sit with yourself for five minutes. Set your timer on your phone, on your watch, set your timer and just sit there and sort of see what comes to the surface. You don't have to focus on your breath. You don't have to focus on finding an answer. You're just going to sit in silence for five minutes, maybe starting out thinking about the prompt or the overall exercise that we're doing here, but you're not like going to have to come to a conclusion or have a revelation in these five minutes, but just giving ourselves the space to see what kind of comes up, to see what comes to mind. It might be different than what you're expecting. So when I sat with this prompt, what is actually ending? A few things came to mind that they're truly actually ending, like they're, you know, factual endings. And then a few things came to mind that I want to end, that I might not have really articulated to myself exactly until, you know, I was forced with this question. So things that I want to end tend to focus on some habits that I have that I've dabbled on and off with (laughs) trying to rein in, most notably that I've talked about here on the podcast before, like my Dr. Pepper addiction, some screen addiction, I feel like I have like just some habits that I've like I said, dabbled with trying to change, but I haven't really put anything in place to actually help me change those things. So when I was thinking about what is actually ending, I realized that I really want to put to bed some parts of myself that I feel like are some toxic traits, some things that I've said I wanted to fix for a long time in relationships and habits, but that I haven't actually really fixed. And I know that you can't stroll into a brand new year and be like, I'm going to be a brand new person and all of my habits are going to change and I'm going to be the best version of myself every day for the rest of my life. And that's not realistic. That's not how habits actually change. But still thinking about what I want to leave behind, acknowledging it helps me shed that part of myself 
that I really am trying to change. Also, some things that came up for me around this question were some regrets that I have in 2021 and even before, some some shame, some mistakes, some things that I have beat myself up for too long now. I felt like I want to leave that behind. I really want to move forward in some of these ways and staying in the cycle of beating myself up, not letting myself let go. That's something that I want to leave in this old season. I just, I want to let it be dead. And then, of course, because I think a lot of us have this, there are things that are ending that I don't have so much control over. That ending was chosen for me. It was chosen by someone else. It was chosen by circumstance. And even though it's a little sobering to be like, wow, this is actually an ending. And even if some of these things you know, I realized earlier in the year, this isn't the first time I've understood this to be an ending. Now that we've come to the actual end of the year, in the year that something ended, it feels like this is the time to take the moments to sit with it, to feel it, to write it down, to say it out loud, so that in January, we can take a big, fresh breath and breathe out remembering all of those things that we left behind in another year, all of those things that we acknowledged and said goodbye to and let be an ending in December have no place in January. Okay, number 10, last question of the 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of the year. Number 10 is something that I think about every year. I've talked about it on this very episode every year. It leaves us on a high note. It leaves us, instead of an emptiness that might have come from question nine. This hopefully puts us in a place of fullness and excitement. And so the number 10 question is, what do you want more of? What do you want more of? Who do you want more of? Where do you want more of? What people or places or experiences or feelings do you want more of in 2022. So I'm not so into the law of attraction. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't discount it fully, but I certainly don't buy it wholly either. I think that there's a lot at play when people talk about the law of attraction. But I do think that the idea of pursuing what you want more of makes it easier to come to you. So if you want more love and you pursue that, it opens the door to let more love in. If you want more friendship, if you want more peace, if you want more of a sense of home, if you want more intention or more family dinners or more deep conversations, like there are surely things that happened in 2021 that you want more of in your life in 2022. And you want more of them And it might mean that you have to make space for those things. If you want more in your relationships, you're going to have to put more into your relationships. If you want more success at work, you're going to have to think about what that looks like and how that would arrive. One of the things that I want more of, which has been on hold for two years for very obvious pandemic reasons, is I want more hosting 
in my home, I want more small dinner parties. I want to make more people feel welcome. This is something that I've really, really missed in the pandemic. Jeff and I have always hosted at our home a lot of things, casual things, formal things, big parties, small gatherings. Like We have always been hosts. We enjoy it. We mostly have it down to a science. And it was nice at first, I will admit, in all the different ways we can talk about how the pandemic shifted the way that we live, taking a pause from the way we've always done things or from things in life that might have gotten stale or, you know, I don't wish that we could ever do this again. But if you're trying to look at the positive sides, taking a pause from what we considered to be normal life, there were some good things that, you know, came out of that completely unexpected shift in our behaviors in 2020 and continuing into 2021. What I have noticed for myself, even though we were able to have more gatherings in the last six months than we had previous, I have noticed how much I really miss having people around our table, planning food and drinks and decor for some kind of an occasion, like just having people in our home, in our space, fostering good conversations, providing them with an experience and really loving all of that part of our life. I have in the last few months, especially really missed it. And this is kind of a big part of my relational things that I'm trying to work on in 2022. It's all relational in terms of like feeding friendships pouring into people I love, focusing on family, all of those things. It's all kind of one big ball of wax for me. And one of those things is entertaining and hosting. This is something that I want more of in 2022. It's so hard to plan or look forward to that as the pandemic rolls on. And, you know, we have different waves of disappointment and cancellations and having to be careful. But if this is something that we are going to have to live with for an unforeseeable future, then so is asking myself what I want more of. And if the what I want more of involves hosting and being relational after such a long time of not being able to do that, it's just something that I want to pursue in 2022 as long as it feels safe and appropriate. Another thing that I want more of in 2022 for me is ritual. Now, if you've listened to the show throughout the year, you know that I sort of gave up on my morning routine for a lot of the year. I loosened up some of the things in my life that I held really tightly for a long time. I, as a personality type, highly anxious, Enneagram one, like I am pretty rigid in my rituals and routines and how I like things and I like to have a lot of control over my day and you know there's healthy levels of that there's unhealthy levels of that but that's sort of the root of who I am. Well in the last couple of years for lots of different reasons so many things around that have gone out the window for me and I want a return to ritual a little bit. I think it was necessary for me to loosen my grip on some of these routines and very rigid mindsets that I had that were a discipline. In some ways, those are a discipline. And it was nice to take a break from them. But it's actually left me feeling a bit unmoored now that the break has gone on and on. And I want to return to some of those rituals. I want to return to some of the core parts of myself that thrives in personal discipline and routine and repetitiveness. I want more of that going forward instead of less. I've tried out less. Less routine was kind of a coping mechanism, a 
survival trait in the last couple of years. And now I really need a return to those things that make me feel centered, that make me feel like myself, really. I had a long list when I journaled this out of the things that I want more of because I had a personally difficult 2021. There was a lot of things I wanted less of, which means there was a lot of things I wanted more of on that list. And while I can't, you know, you can't hope to tick all of those boxes and suddenly just become more is more is more, it is still nice to feel like I'm headed in a direction instead of being pretty directionless for part of this year in a way that, again, made me feel like very out of control and very loose in a way that didn't always serve me. So what I want more of is hosting some self-discipline, just a return to habits and relationships that make me feel like me. A lot of these things that were dropped out of necessity of having to be flexible, of having to roll with the punches of the last two years, there's still going to have to be some of that, of course, but I'm really pursuing a happy medium of no boundaries, no discipline, no plan, and a completely rigid, desperate, held too tight part of my personality. There has to be a happy medium. And that is really something that I'm seeking to find as we walk into 2022. This is one that would be great in a family conversation, in your romantic relationship, hearing from your loved ones, hearing from the people you live with who are around you the most, what they want more of. And if your ideas on this are aligned, if you want more family time, if you want more romantic time, if you want more fun, whatever it is that you want more of, that your partner wants more of, that your kiddos want more of, it is easier to create and craft that vision if you've said it out loud and if you're at least in the same ballpark, you're on the same page-ish of what you want your life, your home, your vibe to be in 2022. Okay, so those were my 10 questions to ask yourself at the end of the year. I hope that you heard something that piqued your interest. I hope that you take these prompts to your journal, to a friend, to your family, over the next couple of weeks, even just in your own mind as you're going about your day, just thinking about a winding down of one year and a gearing up for the next and not just blazing through New Year's Eve and New Year's Day as just another thing to power through as just any old date on the calendar, but that really you can make this time of year mean something. You can honor endings and celebrate beginnings, and that can be a beautiful thing. I will put all of these prompts on social media. I will also put them all together in one graphic in the show notes at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. If you're signed up for my secret posts, I will email these straight to you so you can have them right on your phone, ready for conversation, ready for journaling. As always, you can sign up for the secret posts at 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret posts. If you're on that list, you get things like these prompts straight to you. You'll get my best books of the year list first, an email before I post it anywhere else. And then I also have a big announcement coming at the end of this year. Secret posts get all of those kind of things first. So make sure you're on that list. I hope that you are having a wonderful holiday season, that you are finding beauty, that you are practicing intention. I love going through this part of the season with you. And I thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show. Happy holidays, everyone. Now go share something. 
Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.